Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at the hockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome back to the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I am your host, Griffin Youngs, and before we get into today's episode, first a word from our sponsor, DraftKings Sportsbook. McGregor versus Poirier 3 is all set for UFC 264, and DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC, has a knockout offer for this weekend's fight. DraftKings is offering 264 to 1 odds on a knockout in the first round during Saturday's main event. All you have to do is pick the main event fighter, either Conor McGregor or Dustin Poirier, that you think will win by first round knockout, and DraftKings Sportsbook will give you 264 to 1 odds on that fighter. That's right, bet just $1 on McGregor or Poirier to win by first round knockout, and if they do, you win $264. There is no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to put your money where your mouth is with DraftKings Sportsbook. But don't worry if MMA isn't for you. DraftKings Sportsbook offers great odds and promotions on basketball, hockey, and so much more. Even if the Stanley Cup Finals are wrapping up right now, you can start placing futures bets on next season very, very soon and DraftKings is the place for you to do that. They are safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $264 when you bet on a main event fighter to win by first-round knockout. Place your bet and watch the fists fly this weekend. That's code THPN to turn $1 into $264 only at DraftKings Sportsbook. So this bizarre, twisted, one-of-a-kind NHL season has come to a close at last as the Tampa Bay Lightning 
hoist the Stanley Cup in Game 5 of the Cup Final, beating the Montreal Canadiens 1-0 on home ice. They lift the Stanley Cup in back-to-back years, and mercifully ending this very, very exhausting season. This condensed schedule... That was that did not feel like a 56 game season. That that felt like 100 games honestly. Especially when we got to the point with the Avalanche and all their delays and everything. They're playing every other night and every night the Avalanche aren't playing. There's most of the time a Caps game on or some other kind of big game on. And if there's nothing really much on, there's a big story. Like it felt like every single day there was something, which is awesome. But when you get to four straight months of just that it can be a little exhausting but Tampa Bay lifts the Stanley Cup for the second straight season this bizarre season comes to a close a bit of an anticlimactic ending I must say I mean this Stanley Cup final game four ended up being interesting after I talked so much trash about this final and how much boring it was game four in Montreal ended up being kind of fun Montreal winning that game in overtime but this game five I mean cup clinching game so I guess that alone makes it a little exciting but like a one nothing game the only goal scored by Ross Colton I mean that wasn't even it was like late in the second period wasn't it wasn't even like a a late third period goal or anything it was just Ross Colton you know in second period bit of an anticlimactic ending to this season but I guess that's as to be expected I can't like there's been a select few games in the last year where the cup's been one that have actually been good this year was a bore last year in the bubble when Tampa beat Dallas in game six was a bit of a bore St. Louis game seven against Boston was it was good because it was a game seven for the cup final but the game itself was pretty much a bore I mean that was almost a four nothing shutout the Bruins broke the shutout late but like the last good one was 2018 with the Caps and the Golden Knights. Like that, like Vegas had the lead in the third. The Caps score two to to win the game there. I mean, I might be a little biased, but that game was a lot of fun. I imagine even if you weren't a Caps fan at that time, that game was a lot of fun. And the two Penguins Cups. I mean, those those clinching games were all right. the The 2017 game against Nashville was scoreless until like the final minute. But at least that's like a late winner. I don't, honestly, I don't remember the 2016 winner against the Sharks. I, that, I think that one was a drag. And then the Blackhawks against the Lightning, that one's 2-0. Like I, like, you go back to 2014, out, the, the double overtime Alec Martinez goal. We're talking two of the last like seven Stanley Cup clinchers being kind of boring. And a lot of them ending up being shutouts as well, or at least close to them. But Tampa Bay does win the cup on home ice, which hasn't happened since the Blackhawks in 2015. So that was kind of cool to see. I was hoping it would be a little more of an exciting game. But, you know, what can, what can you do at the end of the day? Cup final's over. I think this, it went a little too paper for my liking. Tampa Bay in five is like the the least interesting result. That's kind of exactly how I expected this to go, looking at these two teams head-to-head. But... Montreal making it to the final at least was a lot of fun. Tampa Bay, they seem to have taken over the villain role for the rest of the NHL. Like all, all I've seen ever since, even just the beginning of the playoffs, but especially it don't. It seems like it tripled since they ever since they beat the Islanders. 
that the whole 18 million over the cap thing is like it's gotten a little out of control at a certain point people are like actually angry at them for doing that and with the whole Kucherov thing and everything I thought it would have been really funny if Kucherov won the Conn Smythe tonight for the most valuable player in the playoffs. I That would have caused some vitriol from everybody. Ultimately, it ends up being Andre Vasilevsky, deservedly, deservedly so. Vasilevsky, I mean, five straight series-clinching shutouts. Last year's cup final against Dallas, the first round against Florida, the second round against Carolina— the semifinal against the Islanders, and now the Stanley Cup final against Montreal, all shutouts in the clinching game. And I won't, I'll see if they updated his stats as of yet, but what was he a 938? He was a 938 the last time I checked. And going to Cat Friendly 935, I don't know if the game ended up bringing his total down at all. I don't know if that's been updated yet, so I imagine that's going to go up a little bit, but that's still a ridiculous save percentage. He is more than deserving of winning the con Smythe there, but I don't know. This this season, like I've, I've been watching the final, just kind of waiting for it to be over, because we have what I think is going to be one of the best off-seasons in a long time coming up. There is no way this off-season can be boring. It can't. It straight up just cannot be boring. You have an expansion draft. There's no way that off-season can be boring. And we're going to talk about some of the stuff that broke literally during the game tonight with Vladimir Tarasenko requesting a trade out of St. Louis. I was I got a good laugh out of that, that that is breaking during the second period of Game 5 of the Stanley Cup Final. I thought that was really funny. But Tarasenko requests a trade out of St. Louis. We can talk about that more in a second. But I am very, very excited for this offseason. It's like, ever since we got to the, the semifinal, like, I didn't, I had no rooting interest in any of the teams. I was only rooting against Vegas in a way. I'm not a huge Islanders fan, so I guess, like, I got a little bit of amusement out of them losing, but like this cup final is like, I just don't care at this point. I mean, there's a little bit of history between these teams playing in the same division and all. And maybe that'll be a little interesting in the the next season, seeing them play about five times in a normal season since they play in the Atlantic. The Atlantic is going to be a lot of fun next year. There's going to be a lot of good teams in that division, but This season has come to an official end. Tampa Bay is the back-to-back Stanley Cup champs. What a deserving team. I mean, I know a lot of people are upset about the cap thing. Again, I don't think it's really that big of a deal. I mean, you look at like when Chicago did it with Kane in 2015. Tampa and St. Louis were the only two teams that voted to close the loophole. And yes, I understand that um, Chicago beat Tampa Bay, and maybe that influenced Tampa's vote a little bit back then, but you have to like understand a little bit of the irony there that people are mad at Tampa Bay, yet they're one of two teams that actually voted to close this loophole to begin with. And like, and I was, and every time I see that brought up, and I was thinking, for what? Like to keep Tyler Johnson and trade for David Savard? And Savard did get, he did set up the the only goal in this game five, but like it's their third pairing defenseman. He's not like that big of a 
producer. I mean, he, and he played 14 games with them in the regular season. He was a minus eight. Plays 19 games in these playoffs. He's a minus one. He has four assists. Like, not like a, a game breaker for them or anything. Nothing to be like, oh, they cheated. They're not going to be able to get away with that twice. There's, unless, like, they would have to really get lucky with someone else doing that again. And even then, they had to still make the playoffs with Kucherov out of the lineup. And Kucherov had to come back in the playoffs after not playing hockey in nearly eight months and be good. And he was more than good. He was outstanding. Like, that, it's not like a foolproof plan. And it's not like they all of a sudden added, like, two other juggernauts to their team to make themselves better. They're going to have another cap crunch this offseason, but just what a deserving team. They're, they're, there's no weaknesses on them. You look at this, like I can't believe I didn't buy into them more. I guess I didn't really know how good Kucherov was going to be coming into these playoffs because you really look at this team in the playoffs, they, they didn't have any weaknesses. There wasn't like, oh, their fourth line is bad. Their third line is probably the best third line in the NHL, or at least it was in these playoffs. Their defense is three pairs deep. They've got Victor Hedman. Ryan McDonough looked back to his prime days in this in this run. Mikhail Sergachev was outstanding. David Savard, as I said, was really good. The emergence of Eric Cernak. They even got production from guys like Jan Ruda. And they have the best goaltender in the world in Andre Vasilevsky. Like, there's, there's just no holes on this team. There's nothing. There are no holes on this team. Like, you... People like to play copycat with the Stanley Cup champs. I mean, Tampa Bay is a pretty good model as to how to build a solid hockey team. There is youth on the lineups. There's physicality. There's size. There's elite talent. There's just, This is how you build a team. And the Avalanche are not that far off from this. To pivot, to pivot towards the Avalanche a little bit, since, you know, this is an Avalanche show. The Avalanche are not that far off from this. They have experienced guys, they have high-end skill, they have youth constantly being injected into the lineup with their incredible prospect pool. Are there still moves they can make? Yes. But I am a full believer that this team can 100% win a Stanley Cup as soon as next year. And we'll talk about more about the Avalanche being the odds-on favorites once again to win the Stanley Cup with the first odds that were released. We'll, t- we'll talk about that more in a moment, but the Avalanche, we talked about last episode, what can they learn from the Tampa Bay Lightning? And just looking at their roster and comparing these rosters, yes, there is still work to do just with little bits of depth and just getting a little bit more from everybody in the playoffs, but in terms of comparing them, this team is this team is right there. You don't win a President's Trophy by accident. Yes, you know, they they didn't play well for three games against Vegas, and they lost two coin flips at the very end. They blew a lot in those games, too. They just fell short. And like I talked about last episode, I think if they showed up fully against Vegas and played Montreal, they would have beaten Montreal, and we would be playing Tampa Bay right now. And if nothing else changes, Tampa plays exactly the same. I think this series is probably 2-2 going into Game 5. And, I mean, Tampa wasn't great in Game 5. I mean, they were solid defensively, but they only scored one goal. And, like, they didn't play out of their minds or anything. 
Like, the Avalanche, they could have realistically played Tampa Bay very well. I won't get into semantics of, well, they would have beaten Tampa Bay. Like, I just, it's hard to be, it's hard to watch a team lift the Stanley Cup and then say, well, my team would have beaten them because we just don't know that. They didn't get that far, so they don't, we don't have any right in that conversation to begin with. But the Avalanche, they just, they just fell short against another very solid, Golden Knights team and a Golden Knights team that ultimately took their foot off the gas against Montreal and paid the price for it. So you, you see what happens. You can't take your foot off the gas in the playoffs. And hopefully the Avalanche have learned their lesson with that and watched what Tampa Bay did. They, like, Tampa Bay never at any point did they ever take their foot off of the gas ever in these last two runs. Every single time they have lost a game in their back-to-back runs, they followed it up with a win. I think this. I think the stat updated now since they lost Game Four. The stat updated was they're fourteen and zero after losses, and Vasilevsky has almost a nine fifty save percentage. It's absurd. Like that's that's an absurd stat and shows just how just how mentally tough those guys are to not let any losses affect them. And I think some of the losses the Avalanche suffered against the Golden Knights affected them a lot. I think they really bought into a lot of the the hype that the Golden Knights were selling about themselves and played a little scared against them. So hopefully they watched what Tampa Bay did, the belief that the Lightning have had in themselves the entire run. I mean, Tampa Bay... They got swept by the Blue Jackets, as we all know, in 2019, and then they beat that same Blue Jackets—well, not the same Blue Jackets team, the mostly same Blue Jackets team—the next season in the bubble, and went on to win the Cup. I mean, and their road to the Cup like that year in the bubble wasn't easy either. They had to beat the Blue Jackets. They had to beat their biggest rival in the Boston Bruins. They had to go through a really tough New York Islanders team and play a really tough Dallas Stars team as well. And this year, they had to go through a a tough Florida Panthers team, a really good Hurricanes team, an even tougher New York Islanders team, and the the team of destiny in the Montreal Canadiens. Like, those were not easy runs, and they never took their foot off the gas at all. It's a really important lesson for the Avalanche to learn, because the Avalanche, they're going to have plenty kicks at the can over the next decade. They're not going anywhere anytime soon. Next year is going to be another opportunity for them to make another run at the Stanley Cup with another strong regular season, and we'll see how well the lessons from this playoff stick, because that's the that's the only thing you can take from them at this point. It's been just about a month since they were eliminated, and the only thing left to do is get ready for the offseason and learn the lessons that were put in front of us against Vegas. And, and like as I was saying, this Tampa Bay team is just the complete definition of champs. I mean, Pete Blackburn just tweeted over the last two postseasons, the Lightning had a goal differential of plus 50, never lost two games in a row, and only faced elimination once, and that was a Game 7 of this year's semifinal against the Islanders. So that is eight rounds of hockey, plus 50 goal differential, never back-to-back losses, and only played in one game seven and were never facing elimination any other time. That is dominance. And another stat that I thought was fascinating is since 2010, the Lightning have won more playoff games than anybody else. And I look deeper into that. The Lightning 
missed the playoffs in 2010. They missed the playoffs back-to-back years, I believe, in 2012 and 2013. I, I don't have that in front of me. I can get that up again real quick. But I know they missed the playoffs in 2010. They went to the conference finals in 2011 and lost to Boston. They missed the playoffs the next two years and got swept by Montreal the year they made it to the playoffs again. So that is three straight years of not winning a single playoff game. Then they went to the Stanley Cup final, lost to Chicago, went to the conference finals, lost to Pittsburgh, missed the playoffs again because that was the season that like Stamkos and Kucherov and everybody was injured for them. And then they lost in the conference finals to the Capitals. And then they got swept again in the first round. And then they won two Stanley Cups in a row. Like, they went a solid about, what, two, like, almost six, five or six seasons without winning a single playoff game. So almost half of the time. And yet they still won more playoff games than any other team over the last 11 years. Is that not absolutely absurd. I mean, they've been consistently the the best team in the NHL when you look at it. I mean, they when they flame out, they flame out hard. They are they either miss the playoffs entirely or just get absolutely crushed in the first round. But if they if none of that happens, they have been of extraordinarily safe bet to go to at least the third round. So just what an incredible team the Tampa Bay Lightning have been, and they're not even going anywhere. They've still got their core locked in for a while, and we'll see how they manage their upcoming cap crunch because they're not going to have another Nikita Kucherov situation again. And like again on the Kucherov situation, yeah, maybe he could have come back a few games earlier in the regular season, but like, I don't really think there's anything that bad about what they did. I mean, Kucherov underwent a very serious surgery and I like why would they risk bringing him back early like a few games or I just don't see the the argument I mean so their upcoming offseason Savard Luke Shen Barkley Goodrow Blake Coleman Ross Colton Alex Barry Boulay like nothing huge so like they're gonna be just fine they'll find a way they might have to trade a guy or two to make it work, but they're going to be back next year. There's a real possibility the Lightning can win three in a row. Hopefully the Avalanche have something to say about that. And I'm just excited for next year to just get a, a normal season back again. What One thing I've thought is weird over the last few days is I've seen a lot of complaints like, ugh, I don't want to go back to an 82-game season. What? Why? it's too, you don't have to watch every single game like if it's a wednesday and the avalanche are going to to ottawa you don't have to watch that game you can go do something else i would take i would take a normal 82 game season over a 56 game season just because there are breaks for the 82 game season like every once in a while there's a two or three day break in between games and you can digest some information in between you're not like like an 82 game season, like yeah, it's long and it's a little bit attritious towards the end. Once you, especially once you reach like 50, 60, like once you get to the midway point of the season, there's a little bit of a drag between that and the the chase to the cup. But this season dragged a lot. I mean, a lot, especially with the Avalanche and the West Division. Like there, there was a point. Where it was like, okay, the only games that matter are the ones we are playing against. The Golden Knights, 
and we to play three games in a row against LA or San Jose or Anaheim or Arizona like there like there was a point where it was just like I, I know we're gonna win these games and if we don't it'll be because of like some shenaniganery bullshit like it was it was hard to keep interest at a certain point like we're so much better than these teams so I'm a full supporter of an 82 game season where we can go and see teams from the west or i'm sorry from the east again and other and other teams from the west like we can go see the the predators and the blackhawks again and the canadian teams again i think that'll be a lot of fun and just a lot of change of pace and i'm very excited for it and we've got to get through this off season first which i think is going to be a lot of fun and it's just it there is no way this off season can be boring whatsoever as i was saying there's no way and it just it only seems to just be reaching more of a boiling point every single day. And this one almost had me fall out of my chair as Vladimir Tarasenko asks for a trade out of St. Louis and apparently it has to do with how they butchered his shoulder surgery from a few years ago, not being named captain. I think that's that's going to be a very interesting thing to watch all, all off season long. I mean, that might happen in a few days. That might happen in the next month or so. I doubt, with this offseason, I doubt a ton is going to happen before the expansion draft. Like, like teams are not going to want to add players right now before the expansion draft and then risk losing them or risk losing someone else by protecting them instead. So I think there's going to be a little bit of like a log jam before the expansion draft. There are going to be moves, but I think they're all going to be like expansion draft related. Like there's no way we can keep this guy without losing him for nothing. Like those kind of moves, like the Victor Arvidsson trade from a, from like a few days ago. We'll see a lot more moves like that. So with Tarasenko, he requests a trade and... Jeremy Rutherford wrote an outstanding article about this on The Athletic. According to sources familiar with the situation, he was upset with the team's handling of his shoulder surgeries in 2018 and 2019. And two of the three such surgeries were performed by Blues physicians, and there is just no trust left between him and the organization. I saw another thing that he was upset that he was not named captain of the team over Alex, or I'm sorry, not Alex Petrangelo, left over Ryan O'Reilly. And... Tarasenko also complained about the discomfort in the shoulder before rejoining the Blues in the bubble last year, and they waited too long before doing additional testing. Like, there's just, there's no more trust between him and the organization. And it'll be very interesting to see where he goes. I mean, I, I thought his contract was going on for a lot longer than it was. For some reason, I, I thought Tarasenko signed a contract way more recently than he actually did. He signed his contract in 2015, and there are two more years left at 7.5. Another interesting thing is he has a full no-trade clause. Now, I imagine if he wants out that badly, he'll waive it. But even then, I wouldn't. I st- I'd still want to control where I'm going at that point. And I don't, I'm not doing the team any favors if they've just screwed me over so many teams at this point. But also, if I'm reading further into the Jeremy Rutherford article, he supplied the Blues with a short list of teams and this... Sources say the list includes as many as 10 teams. I wonder a little bit if Colorado could get in on that action, but it it would take some serious wizardry by Joe Sackick. There would have to be a lot of money dumped 
we I don't know I don't think the package would be that big. I think the package you're imagining giving up for Tarasenko will be smaller, especially when you consider the no trade clause, the fact that he is now an immense question mark with his injury history, and just that he's been pedestrian the last little while. I mean, he's over the last two seasons he's played in a grand total of 34 games, and you want to you want to count eight playoff games in there? Fine, doesn't make much of a difference. That's 42. Like, it it really makes no difference at the end of the day. And it's a big question mark as whether Tarasenko will ever be anything close to what he was because he used to be, like, a 40-goal guy back in 2015. And, like, scores he, sign, he scores 37 goals, he signs his contract. Scores 40 goals, 39 goals, 33 goals, 33 goals. Then he has his shoulder surgeries, three goals, four goals. So this is a big chance for a guy that makes $7.5 million against the cap, and he's still going to make a large chunk of money. He's still going to get paid nine point five over the course of this season, so that is not attractive to teams like Ottawa or players like that that would not be willing to pay that much money. I mean, 7.5 is going to be hard to fit in in a a flat salary cap world for the next few seasons because this contract will expire before that cap goes up. So you, I imagine maybe even St. Louis might have to retain a little bit or they're going to have to take on money in return. One thing, you know, as also a Caps fan, I, I think this trade would make more sense for the Capitals than it would for the the Avalanche in this case. I just see no reason why the Avalanche would take a risk like that, especially when they don't have to. And the only money they can really give to make the salaries work here would be Eric Johnson, which would be ironic and hilarious, but I just don't see that working. Like there's just I don't think there's a, a fit here between the teams. There there would be a lot of wizardry that would need to be done by Joe Sackick, and I ask for what? You're taking a big risk on a twenty nine year old with immense shoulder surgery history whose production has fallen off incredibly over the last two years. You do all the work to fit him in, and for what? Sure, great player. I, I, would, I would love to have Tarasenko. I would love to have a healthy Tarasenko on my team. I'm, I'm not crazy about the Tarasenko that's been in St. Louis the last two years, and these injuries have not been his fault. And it seems like, according to him, doubly not his fault with the way the Blues have handled it. And I imagine Tarasenko would likely leave the the Avalanche on his on his his okay list for teams that can trade him for. I mean, so if the Avalanche want him, I imagine they'll be able to get him and I don't I don't think that the Blues are actually going to get a lot here unless they retain salary on this trade and with 7.5 and the Blues probably just wanting to get that over with there's probably not going to be a ton that they can retain so I think this is going to be a very interesting situation to follow on I I would be very surprised if the Avalanche were even a a contender to get him to be honest I'm I'm sure they'll check in and do their due diligence just because that's Joe Sackick's job that's just what he does as a general manager in the NHL you got to do your job I seriously doubt there's any smoke to that fire for the Avalanche. That's That seems like a, a trade for other teams to be making. I think the Caps could be interesting with that. I mean, 
Evgeny Kuznetsov for Tarasenko could be a potentially interesting swap. I think Kuznetsov makes 7.8 against the cap. Like, there, he's 29. That could be a, a swap of problems for the Capitals and the Blues, but that's neither here nor there. Going to be a very interesting situation to follow. The Jack Eichel trade, I think I think that's cooled off a little bit, just talking about like interesting things that are going to happen this offseason and, sim- and also similarly distrust over medical-related matters like between the Sabres and with Eichel. I think that's cooled off a little bit because I think teams are getting a little wary of the, the surgery situation with Eichel. And if he doesn't get the surgery soon, they're going to be worried about like, okay, we're going to trade this huge package for this guy. And he's probably not going to play for us until maybe later into that season. And who knows how he'll be. So the Sabres are going to have to figure this out soon. I don't think there's an Eichel trade coming soon. And at a certain point, if it doesn't happen, like even a little bit after free agency, is it going to happen at all? Because we're talking about $10 million in cap space. And you're probably going to want to do that before or very early in free agency in order to just know what you're doing. I mean, I think for a team like Anaheim, it wouldn't be much of a problem to wait. I still think the Ducks are the highest contender for them, just with the, the, the amount of assets that they have and the kind of assets that they have. I think they're the the leading contenders to game. Just I have no insider information on that. That's just my personal opinion. And also based on the Ducks taking a big swing at Pierre-Luc Dubois this season before the Jets offered line A for him. I think they're going to make a big move. Elliot Friedman thinks they're going to make a big move. The, the Anaheim Ducks, that is. I think it's going to be very interesting. And again, not even to mention the expansion draft, which is the the focal point of this entire offseason. It's gonna it's gonna set the entire market basically. Seattle is a clean slate, and a lot of teams are probably going to look at them as like their get out of jail free card with a lot of their bad deals. And obviously, that's not Seattle's not just gonna take all your bad money for you. And and we're gonna have a full episode dedicated to the expansion draft sometime in the near future. I'm gonna find some some good guests to get on, get their opinions on expansion lists and everything. So don't worry, we're going to talk about the expansion draft in full detail, especially now that the season's wrapped up, and we're going to start getting lists sometime in the near future. I don't have the dates in front of me, but we're going to get protection lists and a lot more talk about that in the near future. And we're going to see just how Seattle, how good Seattle is going to be. And uh, if you want, if you want to place a bet for the Stanley Cup next year, Seattle has a uh, hundred to one odds right now. So if you want to put five bucks down on the Seattle Kraken to win the Stanley Cup next year, that might be the best value you can get in a futures bet, probably forever. I mean, we saw Vegas go to the final in year one, and obviously that's a whole different circumstance. But if you're telling me you wouldn't have taken a hundred to one odds on the Golden Knights to to win the Stanley Cup knowing that back then, it's a solid bet. And the Avalanche, on the other hand, 5-1 to one to win the Stanley Cup next year. They are the odds-on favorites once again to win the Stanley Cup. I guess they're the favorites or something in the words of the great Nathan McKinnon. Um, it, second time's the charm, I guess? Uh, I don't know how to feel about it. I mean... Whatever. I mean, the offseason hasn't even begun yet. One team has made a significant move, and that's the LA Kings. That's it. To 
put any kind of value into odds bets at this point is completely asinine. They do not matter until the season begins. That is the only time you should put any value into, like, this team is the odds-on favorite to win the cup. Because before the offseason, it's completely asinine. You're just you're trying to predict what good team is going to have a good offseason so you can get value on those bets. But the Avalanche, they're five to one, and right behind them is Vegas at six to one. Well, only one of them can win it, and neither of them did this year. And I mean it's hard to argue. The Avalanche are a very damn good team, and they very they very much could have won it this year, and they're going to get another crack at the can next year. We'll see how they do with their their salary cap issues and with McCarr and Landeskog and Grubauer and everything like that. So we'll see we'll see how well those stand up after that, and it'll it'll all get figured out at the end. I wouldn't put any stock into the Avalanche being Stanley Cup favorites right now, but I I would I would take Seattle at a hundred to one right now just. They don't even have it. It's a completely blank slate. They they could build a goddamn super team. Like you're never if they are actually good, you're never gonna get a hundred to one odds. I mean, what what's five dollars? Put five bucks down on them. What do you what do you have to lose at the end of the day? At a hundred to one, you throw that down now. You forget about it. You come back in June and be like, I just won five hundred dollars on a bet I forgot I made. There's just do it. That's just a that's just a fun bet. At that point, I think that would be a lot of fun. And this, like, this offseason, like, it's just going to be good. I think GMs are used to the flat salary cap now and everything. And there's going to be teams that have to get out from deals. And just there's going to be good players on the mark. I don't think free agency is going to be all that interesting unless apparently a lot of players don't sign extensions i think i think we're gonna see a slew of extensions after the expansion draft like with guys like ovechkin and probably also landis gog like players like that that are gonna get big contracts like from like ovechkin's not hitting the open market and if he does i'll probably have a stroke but he's not hitting the open market probably another guy like taylor hall probably won't hit the open market i imagine boston's gonna go hard after him uh, I think Dougie Hamilton's gonna be the most in, is gonna be the biggest free agent to actually hit the market because I think if Carolina wanted him they would have signed him by now, and it just seems like they're already letting him talk to other teams with or talk to other teams with the plan of a sign in trade. We'll see what happens with that, but free agency I think could be relatively interesting. I think the trade market's gonna be a lot more fun, but there's still a lot of interesting names out here to watch. Especially when you look up the top, like Blandeskog, I think is gonna stay. Barry probably stays in Edmonton. David Krejci probably leaves Boston. Ovechkin stays. Hamilton's probably gonna hit the road. Mike Hoffman, I doubt he stays in St. Louis. He's probably going somewhere else. But you also got guys like Hall and Hyman. Alec Martinez is probably gonna get paid. I mean, he played the the playoffs on a broken foot. I mean, he played the Avalanche on a broken foot, and you never would have known it. I would. If the Avalanche can find a way to get him on a short-term deal, which is completely and utterly unrealistic and never going to happen, I would be a big fan of that, as you might imagine. But Blake Coleman is going to get paid this offseason, whether it's by Tampa or somebody else. He is hitting the free agent market after his incredible Stanley Cup final against Montreal. 
and that man is going to get his money, whether it's, like I said, from Tampa or probably literally anybody. I mean, if if the Avalanche lose Sod, which they, in all likeliness, they probably will, and if they can get Blake Coleman, I don't think that would be a bad replacement for Sod. Obviously, he's not as good as Brandon Sod and can't play as far up in the lineup as Brandon Sod, but... In terms of just like getting that playoff proven guy, if you can get him, I like he's probably gonna make like three at least if he hits the open market. If he stays in Tampa, he's probably gonna be willing to take less. But if he hits the open market, I am there are gonna be teams that throw money at him. But if you can get him at like three million dollars, that would be a solid replacement for Brandon Saad. Yes, he doesn't have that same ceiling, but that guy that guy is a, a shorthanded god, and he comes to play in the playoffs. I think that would be a great, if they can somehow pull that off. And it get, and the, the market drops off a little bit after that. You've got Tatar, Wenberg, Stastny, Granlund, Saad a little bit down the line, Corey Perry. Corey Perry, I, th- I think, could be interesting if Montreal lets him go. I don't know if they will, but... Perry on like a, a league min deal, maybe even just like a little more. I think that could be an interesting depth option for the Avalanche if they if they so choose. They don't need to do a ton. Like I'm just I'm just talking like around the edges kind of guys. Like like with with Coleman, like that's filling the Brandon Sod gap even just a little bit. Corey Perry, that's just to you play him on the fourth line. And maybe doesn't, maybe he doesn't even play 82 games. You just you hold him back for the playoffs a little bit because that guy plays hard in the playoffs. But free agency market should be relatively interesting. Barkley Goudreau is another guy on Tampa that's going to get his money after how he played in the Stanley Cup final again. Should be very interesting to watch. I'm more interested to see what's going on with the trade market and everything. There's going to be some big names moving this offseason, and I'm very excited to see what Joe Sackick has up his sleeve for the Colorado Avalanche, because he, he is a much smarter man than I. He, he is a brilliant general manager, and he I know he's got something of his up his sleeve that I have not even conceived of yet. Like, the, the, the Devontae's trade is just a stroke of genius, and the, the Saad trade, where he gives them Zadorov and basically nothing else is just so so good that almost surely he has some some more stuff like that up his sleeve this offseason I just can't wait to see what else he's got and I hope it's not Seth Jones and I, I know they're in on him right now and they're rumored to be in on him I think that's just Sackick doing his job I don't think they're actually going to get him just I think a team like Chicago or Philadelphia are teams that would be far more serious with things like that. Like there's there, like I said last episode on Seth Jones, there's just no fit there. You're going to give up an, a, a huge package for him. He's realistically probably your fourth best defenseman, and you can't sign him to an extension you can't be you won't be able to afford him so you're trading that huge package for just a rental and i i there's just no fit there there's no package including a roster player that i would even want to give up 
And I don't even think you should extend him anyway if you're the Avalanche. I think that's a mistake for another team to make. Uh, I mean, I talked a lot about that on last episode. I won't get into that again here. But I just hope that, I hope that bullet that Joe Sackick is saving up is not Seth Jones. I think that would be a, a mistake. But I don't think it is because Joe Sackick is a smart guy. But we'll see. We'll see what happens this offseason. The NHL season officially comes to a close, and now... We've got about three months before the NHL regular season starts up once again. I believe, if I remember right, the targeted date is October 13th, which will be my birthday, which will be a very happy birthday for me if the Avalanche open their season that day. If they do, I might try I might try to get up there and see that game myself if they do open at home on my birthday. That would be a lot of fun, but... We've got a solid a little over three months to wait until that day, and hopefully we've got a solid off season to tide us over until then. But till that happens, I'll still be here twice a week, but that's going to do it for this edition of the Teledabs It Is podcast. Maybe by next episode we'll have some moves to talk about, and if we're lucky, maybe some avalanche moves to talk about, but still got to wait for those. But thank you so much for tuning in. I've been your host, Griffin Youngs. Follow me on Twitter at GYoungsNHL and follow the show at Tell It Abs It Is. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in. And I will catch you all next time in the first episode of what is probably going to be a long but exciting offseason. Enjoy the rest of your week.